This is exactly right. My favorite murder. The mini-sode. That's right. A hundred percent. We're we're completely here to read your emails. That's right. Isn't that weird? Some places that's illegal to read other people's emails. Not here. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. Let's do it. You want to go first? I'm ready to go first. Are you ready? Do it. I'm ready. All right. This is called The Killer Preacher and Death at a Funeral. Ooh, my first one is church-based as well. Stop it. Christmas time is here. (laughs) Miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, y'all, look and listen. It starts. Mm -hmm. Nice. This is kind of long, but stick with me. It's totally worth it. (laughs) I work for the DA's office in Birmingham, Alabama, where I manage a grant working with survivors of sexual assault. While I have hundreds of incredibly badass tales from my work, I'm legally not allowed to share any of them with you. No, 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 no. (laughs) So this is my best friend, mom's experience with the killing preacher. Oh. During the 1970s in Goodwater, Alabama, a Baptist preacher's wife was found beaten to death in her car a short distance from her home. The last person to see her alive was a neighbor who made a statement saying she met with Mrs. Maxwell, the deceased, earlier that evening, right before the victim left to go pick up her husband, Reverend Willie Maxwell. Yep. I know this story. You know this one? This is very famous. Uh Yep. I think I... Now I can't remember if I read a book about it. You did. I'll get to it. Okay. Not at all surprisingly, Reverend Maxwell had taken out numerous life insurance policies on his wife shortly before her death. Finding this suspicious, the police arrested the reverend and charged him with murder. However, after the married neighbor recanted her statement about seeing Mrs. Maxwell the day of her murder, the jury found the reverend not guilty. Mm-hmm. Very shortly thereafter, the same neighbor's husband, quote, died unexpectedly. And as you guessed it, she then married Reverend Maxwell. Yeah. Within the first year of their marriage, Reverend Maxwell took out 17, all caps, life insurance policies on her. This, uh-huh, this allowed him to collect nearly half a million dollars after her body was also found beaten to death in her car. That's over three million dollars in today's money. Not only did his two wives turn up dead on the side of the road, but so did his nephew, his brother, and his 16-year-old stepdaughter, all with life insurance policies naming Reverend Maxwell as the sole beneficiary. As if that wasn't enough drama in and of itself, now enters my best friend's mom, Marilyn. In 1977, at the time of Maxwell's stepdaughter's funeral, Marilyn was 13 years old and had been classmates with the now-deceased girl. She and 600 other residents were attending the funeral service when Reverend Maxwell began reading a eulogy. You're nodding emphatically. Uh, is that the right yep. word? This is un- it's an unbelievable. It's such a horrible story. And mm-hmm. it's beyond. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. As he was finishing up, the young girl's uncle stood and shouted, We know what you did and you're going to pay for it. And then he raised a pistol and shot and killed Reverend Maxwell on the spot. At a funeral. At a funeral. funeral. A murder at a funeral. Totally. 
Marilyn says she remembers the sound of women screaming, children running, and even one woman jumping from a window as everyone hurried to leave the scene. Uh Rumor has it the uncle was held in jail for only one night before he was released, which sounds suspicious to me. But then again, the justice system in the South has always been and continues to be questionable at best. Anyways, that's the story of the killing preacher and a death at a funeral. Stay sexy and never trust a Baptist, Sam. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey now. And then I read, Sam. So I was like, holy shit, this story's crazy. And then it turns out Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird, was totally interested and fascinated by stories. So I did a ton of research on it, which is now completely lost. Yep. And the uncle was uh, who killed the reverend was found not guilty by reason of insanity by the jury. He wasn't just held one night. He was went to trial and he actually had PTSD from Vietnam. So that's probably why he was found uh, not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm. Bananas. Yes. And that is all in that book. It makes me want to get up and run to the front room. But I have uh, already recommended it on the big Long podcast. Mm -hmm. Furious Hours. Furious Hours by Casey Sepp, C-E-P. Thank you, Stephen, very much. Furious Hours by Casey Sepp will tell you this story in such unbelievably beautiful detail, Uh. along with all that information about Harper Lee and the life she led, which was fascinating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's such a good book. From what I read, she was like a smoking, drinking, fucking cursing badass, too. So... And she like did what she wanted and lived in New York, but her heart was in the South Mm. and she was like, everybody wanted her at their dinner party and she Mm -hmm. hated everyone. And it's, (laughs) I love this book so much. It's, it's that thing where they were, people were, she was a legend, like, you know, while she was still alive, it was like, everyone knew who she was and they wanted, everybody wanted a piece of her in some way. And it made her kind of become a little Mm -hmm. bit of a hermit. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just fascinating. And she's so talented. And, you know, there are those who say, mm-hmm. uh, allegedly, but that she had everything to do with why In Cold Blood by Truman Capote yeah. was such an unbelievably amazing book. Like, yeah. that she, but whatever. I don't want to offend Truman Capote. God, imagine <laughs> okay, him being mad at you and haunting you. No, <laughs> just in that voice and being so mad at you. <laughs> So here's my answer to that. My great, my church email for you. Great. Love the podcast. You two are hilarious. Let's just get right into it. This was a traumatic, odd and creepy story that was casually shared by my parents as I entered adulthood. My dad was a pastor at a church in Vincennes, Indiana. Vincennes, Indiana. Uh It's going to be wrong. As churches always have, there was a potluck that my parents attended just after I was born. I was the newborn. All the churchgoers wanted to pass around and relive their baby days. Mm. At this particular potluck, there was a guest. Her name was Susan Grund. To give some background, according to my mother, Susan had just joined the church a few months prior to this. And in my mother's words... Quote unquote, she was odd. She attempted to date my parents' friend at the time, but she showed up under weird circumstances and wanted to be overly involved in the church all of a sudden. Huh. 
Back to the potluck. Susan was attending this particular event during lunch. She continued to ask my mother if she could hold me. My mom told my dad at the time she didn't feel comfortable with it, but it was the 90s and we let strange people hold our babies out of obligation. (laughs) She reluctantly let Susan have me for a second. My mom turns around and the next thing you know, Susan is gone. (sighs) My mom panics, grabs my dad and they proceed to scour the church looking for me. They end up finding her in the church nursery, all caps, lights off, rocking me in a chair, (gasps) calling me by another name. Oh, no. And then there are uh, nine exclamation points. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. (laughs) In every way, deep down. My mother asked to have me back and Susan declined. (gasps) And my father went over and grabbed me. Thankfully, needless to say, it was weird, traumatizing and horrifying. Fast forward to a few months later, Susan was convicted of murdering her husband. (gasps) She shot him, then took the gun buried in in cement in her attic. Well, as I was completely shocked to find out that I was held and rocked by a murderer, I looked her up. Sure as shit, there's a book titled Deadly Seduction based on her story and an episode on the TV series Snapped. Uh, wowza in all caps. Stay sexy and don't let your babies be held by murderers at church potlucks, mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Wow. I want to know, like, the circumstances. Why she's, as the TV show is called, snapped. Why she snapped? I guess I have to watch it. I, it feels to me, based on the story, that it might be child loss yeah. based, which is yeah. horrifying. Yeah. I mean, just and or and or maybe never had a child in the first place uh-huh. and had mental illness or whatever. But wow. yeah, that is that would be a very scary uh, scene to come upon Absolutely. in the dark. Absolutely. No rocking chairs in the dark anyway, even if they're empty, even if there's just a beautifully embroidered cushion in the chair. No. Yeah. Leave the lights on at all time until that light bulb burns out. Like, yes. Rocking no. chairs shouldn't be in the dark. No, they can't. They can't no. be. And they and certainly not in the attic. They don't exist in the dark. Okay. This is called Elevator Moment with a Serial Killer. Okay. Hello, Karen, Georgia, Stephen, and various pets. I'll jump right in and say, while the story is not technically my hometown, it is definitely responsible for my interest in true crime. That's all we ask. Yeah, that counts for sure. In the late 1980s, my mom was a teenager living in Orange County, California. My hey! Gra- hey, I've been there. My grandpa was equal parts lovable and terrifying, and everyone knew not to question what he asked of you. Hmm. And so when my grandpa wanted my mom to go along with him to the L.A. County Men's Central Jail so he could just visit one of his friends, she went. (laughs) My grandpa's friend was being held in protective custody because although he was arrested for something nonviolent along the lines of embezzling money. And then it says, fantastic choice in friends, grandpa. Yeah. He was a cop and couldn't be held in a cell next to people he potentially arrested. When they got into the separate elevator to head towards protective custody, there was only one other visitor going up to the same floor. My mom noticed that while the woman was very attractive, she wore a pentagram on her neck and had similar images on her shirt. Mm. Quite the shock to my very Irish Catholic mom and grandpa, I'm sure. Not pentagram fans, I Mm. can attest. Nope. 
<laughs> the woman's clothes quickly made sense to my mom when a few moments later, the elevator's door opened and revealed none other than Richard Ramirez Ooh. staring directly at them from behind protective glass, waiting for a visit from one of his infamous groupies. Oh, my shoulders. Yeah, all the way. All up the way the, in my ears. That's right. All the way up to this guy. My mom knew immediately who it was and tugged on my grandpa's arm saying, Dad, look, that's the Night Stalker. He teased her saying it couldn't possibly be him, but took a closer look and said, it is that fucking creep, isn't it? <laughs> and proceeded to flip him off with not one, but two hands for good measure as they walked by. A fucking Irish Catholic. Are you guys allowed to do that? No, You're no not. way. Especially not, not in front of your child. No. Well, my grandpa seemed nonplussed by the whole situation. My mom said that the entire time they visited with my grandpa's friend, she couldn't stop sweating, having just experienced the terror of living in Southern California during Richard Ramirez's crime spree a few months prior. Oh, fuck. Uh-huh. Needless to say, no matter how scary my grandpa could be, my mom put her foot down and did not accompany him on any more county jail visits. No, which in hindsight was a good move because my grandpa would end up locking eyes with Richard Ramirez at least once during every trip he made to the jail afterwards. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Stay sexy and don't take your teenage daughter to visit your criminal friend who happens to be cell neighbors with one of America's most notorious killers, Carly. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now I would just like to point to the first thing my brain served up. Uh-huh. Which is the lady from the Night Stalker documentary mm. with the heart-shaped glasses who was in the thrift store at the same time as Richard Ramirez. Yeah. And at the end, when they start talking about those groupies, yeah. she's she goes, I think they're all dumb bitches. <laughs> she sure did. She was a gem. Okay. Ready for this shit? Yep. This subject line of this email is an old family murder. Mm. And then it says, bonus, noun, last name. <laughs> Hi, Karen, Georgia, et al. Thank you. I've been wanting to send this email for a while, and I finally got quasi-approval from my aunt. According to her, anyone who would care is either dead or wouldn't be listening to a podcast. <laughs> cool. Old people. Yeah. Also, just keep in mind, anyone who makes podcasts, and as Georgia and I have very thoroughly learned... They're forever. You put something on the internet, <laughs> you say this now, mm -hmm. but it's just going to sit there until someone listens. Well, the, grid, right. the grid might go down. The okay. grid, hopefully, fingers crossed, will go down soon. Yeah. So here goes. Okay. My great-great-grandfather was murdered on his farm in 1926 in South Florida. Mm. His name was Joel Horn. Uh, there's that now. Horn. Last name. Easy. Horn. Horn with an E. Uh, and he and his wife... Ardina, my dad called her Grandma Honk Honk when he was in jail, <laughs> settled in South Florida in the late 1800s. She was quoted as saying that they lived in three different counties without moving because the lines kept getting redrawn. No one in my family really talked about his death, but my aunt remembers hearing that he was murdered because he came across some men trying to steal his machinery in the barn. She said that they found him before he died, but he died either on the way to the hospital or shortly after arriving. I found one sentence about his murder in a book about the history of the area, and they claimed that he was killed in his groves over a dispute over grapefruit with railway workers. They got the year wrong, so I'm hoping that they got that wrong, too. No one should ever die over grapefruit. <laughs> 
Mm-mm. Either way, Ardina was left with the land and the responsibility of keeping everything running. She got together all of the money to pay the taxes on the property and gave it to her son-in-law to make the payment. On the way, he took it to the dog tracks mm-hmm. and lost it. Oh. So the family lost the farm and I lost my right to become the citrus baroness I was born to be. A country club now sits on that property. Oh, oh. the insult to injury. Oh, you could have been so rich. So and rich. You could have been sipping lemonade by the pool at that Grapefruit exact juice. country club. Oh. Ew. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> Stay sexy and make your aunt spill the secrets, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah, R.I.P. to your fortune. And your, is it great-grandfather or great-grandfather? Yeah. Oh, sorry, double great-grandfather. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's pretty far away. Well, someone else would have lost it at that point anyway. You know, the the same family, I mean, sorry, the same kind of story as on my mom's side of the family. Um, There was, (laughs) there was a... in her, like her, my mom's great great grandfather mm-hmm. was a cop in San Francisco who was on the take and crooked and basically Ooh. got super rich because of that. Yeah. And then when he died young, mm-hmm. his wife took all the money and donated it to the SPCA. Oh, because she was like, this is not my money. <laughs> she was just like, this is dirty and this is wow. like bad. It's bad. And my mom was like, we could have been so rich. What the fuck? It, <laughs> we had it then anyways. You might as well just... Yeah. Uh, okay. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's It's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill. If you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom, it's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. This is called We Were Sworn to Secrecy Lighthearted. Hey, pals. When I was around 12 years old, my family went on vacation. We spent the day at a water park. And as we were about to leave, I announced that I had to go to the bathroom. The line was long and our hotel was only a five minute drive away. And so I was told to hold it. Mm hmm. Hold it. Uh, Well, little did we know that we were driving straight into downtown rush hour and were stuck in traffic for over two hours. At this point, I had to pee so badly that I was sobbing. I was sweating in the way that only happens when you know you're not going to make it to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Tensions were running high. My older brother and younger sister kept yelling at me to shut up. (laughs) My parents were pissed. Everyone was screaming. Meanwhile, I was about to pee my swimsuit in this rental van. Not seeing any other option in the hotel nowhere in sight, my mom handed me this large novelty plastic cup from the water park. She told me to pee in it. You can imagine how horrified preteen me was to have to pee in front of my whole family, but desperate times, my friends. I crawled into the backseat of the van and hoped no one would hear the torrential downpour of my pee. (laughs) I put the lid on the cup and handed it to my mom. Why she took it from me, I don't know. Because she's your mom. She's seen every hideous thing that's come out of you. That's right. Moms do that. That's mom stuff. That's right. (laughs) Afterwards, we were still stuck in traffic. Everyone was still pissed. And my dad had turned off the radio. So we were just sitting in silence as my mom held this massive cup of my warm piss. (laughs) A few feet ahead of our car on the side of the road was a large garbage can, the kind you'd see in a city park. My mom announced that she was going to throw the cup away when we got up to there. The car continued to inch along in traffic, but eventually we were even with the garbage can. 
My mom rolled down her window and tossed the cup the three feet to the trash can. <laughs> we proceeded to hit the edge of the can. This, there's our dot, dot, dots between. That's my pause. The plastic cup splintered and my pee exploded. Dot, dot, dot. All over a man on a bike in a three-piece suit. Oh, God. <laughs> he stopped biking. My mom started to frantically crank up the window. <laughs> the man was just staring at us, and we were stuck there, still in traffic, with nowhere to run or hide. Oh, he, my God. I know. He might not have known that it was pee, except my siblings and I were screaming, OMG, Mom, you just threw pee on that man. No. My mom was scream whispering at us to shut up, but the damage was already done. Once the window was up, we all stared straight ahead and tried to avoid eye contact with the well-dressed man who was now drenched in my pee. No. He eventually biked away and we rode the rest of the way to the hotel in silence with my dad occasionally yelling at us to shut up <laughs> and never tell anyone about this. I love the idea. I don't know if they yes. meant to write it that way. But yes. It's like it's silent and your dad's still screaming. Shut, shut up. up. Shut up. I spent the rest of the vacation on edge that I was going to be arrested because it has to be illegal to throw your pee on a stranger. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was only comforted by the fact that I probably wouldn't go to jail because I only supplied the urine. My mom was the one to throw it. <laughs> That's right. Throw Just up the river. That's right. Just throw your mom right under that bus. Yeah. I still can't think about the story without cracking up, and my family has since lifted our vow of secrecy surrounding it. If you're listening, man, I inadvertently peed on. I am so sorry. SSDGM, Megan. He's, hey, Megan, that's not a good enough. That's not good enough. It's, we're both, me and the man are still pissed. Uh, literally. That is literally a horrible story. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's hilarious. It's terrible. Can can I tell the briefest version of my version of that absolutely, story? Absolutely, absolutely. Me and Patty Riley mm -hmm. were going to into San Francisco from Sacramento. Mm -hmm. We were drinking uh, wine coolers. E no, I think that was when we were mixing Gatorade and vodka. <laughs> <laughs> we heard it got into your bloodstream faster. Oh God! <laughs> she wasn't because she was driving. Right. I was doing it. And then same exact thing where we got stuck on the Bay Bridge coming uh -huh, in uh -huh. and I was like crying like, I'm yeah. so sorry, I'm gonna. And then there was a there was a big gulp, a plastic big gulp oh. cu cup in her yeah. back seat. Yeah. So I was like, I got to do it. And I did it. And then I put the lid on it. And when we whatever exit we took off of the Bay Bridge, <laughs> the first light we came to, I sat there and waited. It The light was red. And then right at the last second, <laughs> I opened the door and just very gently put the cup on the ground and <sighs> shut the door and we drove away yeah you did yeah you did someone <laughs> ran over your pee so megan i'm not judging you or your mother a little or that horrible thing because i'm <laughs> guilty as charred these things happen thank but god, god i never had to do that the idea that that poor fucking man he's uh, just like the one time i try to ride my bike to work three-piece suit oh that's what you get oh my god that's what you get for trying. <laughs> All right. I'm going to. This is your last one. Our last one. This is it. Do it. And it's worth it. Okay. Hi, y'all. While the shit show that is our world continues to spin out of control around us, mm. I finally wanted to write in a story that is humorous with only a slight amount of danger and or damage done to all involved. <laughs> Thank God we got at least one of those. 
One of the greatest opening paragraphs of an email that we've read on here. <laughs> Considerate and lightly poetic. Mm. It all started after my fifth birthday party and me being a little pyromaniac, I was becoming, uh, I want, I wanted to relight my birthday candles and keep the party going. Hey girl! Right. It was only after I got the Bic lighter and lit one of the small candles that I apparently got scared by the small flame. I was so fascinated by that I just ended up dropping it onto the carpeted dining room floor <gasps> and then watched as the flames <gasps> became bigger by the second. Oh, no. When the flame got to a certain point, I suddenly became scared of the fire and ran out of the dining room, telling no one in the next room <laughs> that I had just set the carpet on fire oh. and that it was getting bigger. It took my mom at least two minutes to get up and see why I had run out of the room. Oh, no. <laughs> because <laughs> who really cares right i mean it's, it's what a yeah. five-year-old does yeah. to get up and see why i ran out of the room and for her to walk into the dining room to find it on fire oh. needless to say my parents called 911 and the fire department was able to make it to our house before the flames made it to the wall of the dining room that would have surely led to the rest of the house catching on fire absolutely thank god meanwhile I was hiding in my room this entire time under a blanket on my bed, thinking no one could find me. Therefore, no one could pin this on me. <laughs> my parents, using their common sense, knew I was the last person in the room before the fire started. <laughs> so therefore that I was the one who started the fire. Mm. They were eventually able to pry a crying five-year-old me out of my room and bring me into the now burned dining room to sit on my mom's lap so I could see what I had done. Of course, you can only scorn a five-year-old so much in order to not scare them, but make them realize that they had nearly burned the entire house to the ground. <laughs> the firefighters still being there found it quite humorous that all of this happened because a kid wanted to relight her birthday candles. Mm. And they had a talk with me about the dangers of fire and what could happen. Needless to say, this officially gave me the title of the family pyromaniac to the point that I was not allowed to light any candle of any sort until I turned 18. <laughs> It's <laughs> a 13 year oh, hiatus <laughs> embargo on, on candles. But if we're being honest, the carpet in the, in the dining room I lit on fire needed to go because who the hell thinks carpet looks good in a dining room? We eventually, meaning about 12 years later, got the floor in there redone, oh. all thanks to my moment of destruction. And it now looks so much better with hardwood floors. <laughs> I hope this story was able to make you laugh, get some happiness from a bit of chaos and destruction, and realize that if you have a carpeted dining room, you should tear the shit out of that before your small child forces you to, mm. because burn marks are a hard thing to cover up when people come over. Mm. I love y'all and all that you do, so keep up the good work, stay sexy, and don't let your five-year-old potential pyromaniacs relight their birthday candles. <laughs> Mads. Mads, I got something to say. Why was there a big lighter just willy nilly <laughs> around the frickin' house? And this must have been a time before there was child proofing on lighters. Yes. I think your mom, you should have sat your mom on your lap in the <laughs> dining room and said, Mom, why is there a lighter? What did she got? Me? She got the big lighter for her fifth birthday. <laughs> Exactly right with her cigarettes. For real, if it was like 1975, that is absolutely a possibility. Like it was fucked up. Here, honey, here's a, here's a Zippo with your engraving, your name on. Here, it. you like red? I got you a red bic lighter. That's right. When you turn it upside down, the lady's top comes off. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mads. We love High you. High five. We're going to the bar. That's right. You're and you're driving us there. <laughs> 
<laughs> another great batch another great one send us your stories and also if you want one um extra story from each of us in our mini mini sode um go to my, what my favorite and join the fan cult yes please otherwise just fucking email us your stories don't go to my favorite murder.squarespace.com because um that is not us. That's not us. Someone just found that and showed it to me on no. the, the meeting I was just on. And they're like, is that did Georgia make this a long time ago? I was like, I have no idea. Maybe. I have no idea, but they're like, it should get taken down. I, if it was mine, I don't have the password anymore. <laughs> uh sorry, Steven. Steven's got a na- our name from our Night Stalker documentary. Esther Pitchar. There she is, Esther Pitchar. Mm-hmm. She is sorry. There's our hearts, right? I was right about the heart yeah, glasses. Yeah. yeah, the heart glasses. Yeah. We love you, Esther Pitchar. That's right. Yeah. Watch the Night Stalker documentary on Netflix. It's excellent. Unbelievable. Very yeah. upsetting and very scary. Definitely. And very, uh, the people that they talk to are great. It's yep. a really well made documentary. Yep. Esther Pitchar for president. Yay. Oh, also stay sexy. And don't get murdered. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Associate producer, Alejandra Keck. Engineer and mixer, Stephen Ray Morris. Researchers, Jay Elias and Haley Gray. Send us your hometowns and your fucking hoorays at myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. And for more information about this podcast, our live shows, merch, or to join the fan cult, go to myfavoritemurder.com. Rate, review, and subscribe.